Welcome to the Alan Turing Podcast with James Turing and some of the UK's most exciting and forward-thinking business leaders. Today, Alan is famous as the father of computer science and co-breaker of the Nazi Enigma machine and has been celebrated by the BBC as the greatest person of the 20th century. But it wasn't always that way. At the time of his passing in 1954, Alan's life had been defined as much by the tragic way in which he was treated by the country he had done so much to help as it had by any of his work in mathematics or computing. Alan's family are keen to do their part in building the kinder and smarter world that Alan envisioned all those years ago, which is why we've launched this podcast series in which James Turing, the great nephew of Alan, will be speaking to some of the women and men shaping Britain today, covering a range of subjects from sustainability and mental health to inclusivity and innovation. First of all, just a few words from the organisations behind this series. The Turing Trust is a charity run by the Turing family. They refurbish used IT kit, install a range of brilliant educational software, and provide it to those who need it most, principally in rural African communities. Their vision is that one day every child will be able to enjoy the transformative power of technology. So if your business doesn't yet have a solution for reusing its old IT kit, please do get in touch. The other organisation behind this series is Boss Digital, a digital marketing agency that specialises in helping B2B and professional service firms generate more business online. We're incredibly proud to be helping the Turing Trust accelerate their impact. So to reiterate, if your company does not have a strategy for its old IT kit and are sending it into landfill, please visit the Turing Trust site today and they'll help you turn that waste into a tool that will transform the lives of thousands of students. Over to James. Hi Tessa, thank you very much for joining me on today's podcast. If you wouldn't mind, could you just give me a bit of an introduction to yourself, please? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm Tessa, I'm co-founder and CEO of Olio. And Olio is an app that exists to tackle the enormous problem of waste in our homes. And it does that by connecting people with their neighbours so that you can give away rather than throw away your spare food and other household items. And we have got a community of just under 5 million people who have given away 25 million portions of food and 3 million other household items as well. Incredible. Not a bad set of numbers there. I'm glad to say that I've contributed in one small way, uh, collecting some food and distributing it a little bit before, but um, delighted to kind of connect with you and see the brains that have gone behind this fantastic idea that, yeah, absolutely has come at a critical time. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I'll just begin by kind of asking you for a, a sort of formative experience in your early years that kind of led to you pursuing this path in life, please. Yeah, so the Olio experience I guess really starts with my childhood and my upbringing so my parents are farmers up in North Yorkshire in the northeast of the UK and I had sort of either a well-spent or misspent childhood depending upon how you look at it working alongside my two younger brothers on the family farm and through that sort of upbringing I guess well first of all you have a keen appreciation for just how much hard work goes into producing the food we all eat every day you also understand, I guess, kind of humanity's role within the broader ecosystem and, and how we sort of coexist with nature. So I've always been really interested in the intersection, I guess, between us and, and nature. Uh, I didn't think anything in particular, though, kind of about my upbringing. In fact, I sort of spent the earlier part of my career trying to go as far away from that as possible because I quickly realised that I didn't want to be a farmer and I most certainly didn't want to be a farmer's wife. Uh, and so I kind of tried to pursue a career that took me, as I say, in a very, very different direction. And so I went, moved to London and 
worked in the business world in media, financial services and retail. But I came kind of full circle back to my upbringing through an experience that happened to me six years ago now. I was living overseas, moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men told me I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. And obviously, given my upbringing and my pathological hatred of food waste, I was not prepared to do that. So much their irritation, I stopped packing and instead bundled up my newborn and toddler and set out into the streets, clutching this food, hoping to find someone to give it to. And to cut a long story short, I failed miserably, but I wasn't to be defeated. And so when the removal men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my packing boxes. And that was the moment where I just thought, this is crazy the lengths I'm going to to avoid throwing food in the bin. Why isn't there a simple app that can connect me to my neighbours so I can give it away rather than throw it away? And so that's kind of where the light bulb moment, I guess, if you like, for Elio came from. Uh, and really very much kind of rooted in my upbringings which is about valuing food and wanting to kind of protect and work with the environment fantastic no that's absolutely brilliant and i guess you you kind of also not only solving that problem on for people on a personal level but also i believe you're working with lots of businesses is that right yes we are so we had a bit of a conundrum in the early days of olio which was that our early adopters loved Folio. Um, they hated food waste. And as a result of that, they didn't actually have any food to give away. And then we had hoped somewhat naively, I think, actually, that local businesses would sort of use the Olio app to give away the unsold food at the end of the day. So, you know, think your local cafe, bakery, etc. But they were far too busy running their business to mess around kind of using an app messaging with lots of locals. And so obviously kind of a food sharing app with no food on it is pretty useless. <laughs> And we solved that conundrum by saying, why don't we take the people who hate food waste and have plenty of time uh, and match them with the businesses that have loads of food waste and no time. Uh, And that was how we developed our Food Waste Heroes program. And so today we now have over 30,000 trained volunteers. They're called Food Waste Heroes and they collect and redistribute unsold food from local businesses such as Tesco, Pret-a-Manger, and many others. And how it works is on your allotted time of day, you pop out the house across the road, you go to your local store, you pick up all of their unsold food, you take it home, you add it to the Olio app, within minutes your neighbours are requesting it, and minutes later they're popping around and picking it up. And so that takes that food from having been considered a quote-unquote waste stream in the store to instead, on average, within two hours, being fully redistributed into multiple homes in the local community and that, that food being eaten run thrown away. Absolutely. That's exactly what you want, sort of connecting all the various parties with all the various skills and talents that they have um, and putting them together. So is the the technological background, is that something that you um, had experience in before or is that something you had to kind of quickly acquire to put your solution into practice? I think the honest answer is a bit of both. So I had spent the previous 10 years of my career working in the digital space. So I could see very clearly that the world was going digital Um, But I had been very much acting as as a general manager. So first of all, I was kind of a publishing director of a media business. uh, And then I was a managing director at Dyson, responsible for all of their e-commerce and all of their digital activities globally. And so through that sort of experience, I had a, a really good understanding of the role and the power of technology, but I'm absolutely not sort of a developer myself and can't code, unfortunately. 
Uh, so to bring OEO to life, we first of all had to work with an agency, a great agency called Simple Web in Bristol, who built the first MVP version of the OEO app. And then fairly quickly after that, we managed to raise some funding. And the first people that we sort of recruited into the business were two developers. And we then, from that moment onwards, we've brought these development of the app in-house. And as a result of working alongside our, our brilliant team of developers, I've certainly learned a lot more about technology than, than I certainly knew at the beginning. No, unfortunately, I can feel that all too familiar to myself. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I wonder if I can move on to uh, my next question, which is just about a, a challenging period from your working life and how that's kind of influenced and the way that you manage and lead others, please. Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm going to sort of dodge this question slightly by saying that actually, arguably, when I reflect on my career, there's just this massive line in the sand, which is before Olio and after Olio. And I, whilst I sort of technically enjoyed all of my roles before Olio, and they certainly had sort of plenty of challenging periods, I was really a very long way away from being fulfilled. And I think the reason for that was I, um, if you, I don't know if you know sort of Daniel Pink's work, who talks about how everybody needs to have um, a sense of autonomy, mastery and purpose to really be fulfilled. And I think the reality is that sort of before Olio, I perhaps had mastery. I was kind of developing and acquiring lots and lots of skills, but I didn't have nearly the autonomy that I would have liked. Um, and I certainly didn't have the purpose. Whereas post Olio, whilst, you know, sometimes kind of, you know, the stresses and the challenges are probably even larger and harder than they were before Olio, actually the whole experience is just transformationally more fulfilling because, you know, first and foremost, I do have that sense of purpose. Every single morning I get up and I know that I have to get up and that what I'm doing is making a difference. So that's amazing. Then I have a ton of autonomy, obviously because I'm sort of a co-founder of the business, but also because of how we've built Olio. So we've built Olio to be from the ground up a remote first company. We've never had an office. Um, and it's just been transformative having that degree of flexibility over how you kind of run your own life to optimize for happiness and productivity. Uh, and then, and then the third one is mastery. I'm continuing to sort of learn and develop a lot. And so that Daniel Pink framework around sort of autonomy, mastery, and purpose is definitely something that I have used to apply in terms of how I think about building and growing Olio, but also supporting everybody who um, works for us. So. It's not just me as the co-founder or one of the senior people who, who gets to have autonomy. Everyone in the company has just as much autonomy um, as I do. And, and ditto with the purpose. We recruit people to Olio not just to be mission aligned, but actually have a much higher bar, which is mission obsession. Uh, and that results in just such an engaged um, group of people. And then in terms of the mastery, we've got a real kind of growth mindset here at Olio. And we really encourage people to develop that mastery in whatever their domain may be. So a bit of a dodge, but um, hopefully explains how I think about sort of managing people and um, helping them to be as happy and productive as possible. Perhaps a dodge, but also I think you've, you've already uh, shown that you've you're very good at predicting things for the future. So I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh, I mean, certainly that idea of autonomy being inbuilt to working from home, is that something you kind of envisaged beforehand or was that more of a happy accident? Well, our remote first working was born out of necessity. Sasha and I 
founded Olio, we were both mums with young kids. I had a newborn and a toddler. Sasha had a toddler. Um, we didn't live near one another. And so the last thing we wanted to do was spend money we didn't have and time we most certainly also did not have commuting to an expensive office that neither of us wanted to be in. So we never had an office. And then as we started to grow, we still had no desire or appetite to spend money or time on an office. And so we thought, well, why don't we start recruiting our first few folks sort of remotely? Because all the tools that we need to work remotely were already there five or six years ago. And then we've continued in that vein. And what we have discovered is a number of, I guess, sort of happy accidents. But if you think about it, actually, they're, they're designed into remote working. So one of them absolutely is that piece around autonomy. I think a mistake a lot of businesses make is they try and replicate the nine to five office experience whilst people are working from home. And that's just absolutely not what you should do. You need to really lean into the unique benefits of remote working, which means giving people really, really high degrees of autonomy over how they plan and schedule their lives. Um, and I think the other massive benefit of remote working that we hadn't anticipated, but the minute you stop to think about it, it's obvious why it would be the case, um, is around diversity and our ability to recruit diverse talent. Because the minute you remove that constraint of saying you've got to commute into an office in, let's say, central London, then you open up this whole new pool of people. Um, you get more diversity in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of sociodemographic backgrounds, neurodiversity for sure. You know, for too long, we've been, been forcing all these sort of square pegs into round holes of going to the office. Um, and so we're super, super proud of just the incredibly diverse and also high performing team that we have recruited because the other third thing which I think is sort of maybe a, a correlation rather than a causation with remote working is the type of people who do really well with remote working are people who have a ton of initiative they're real kind of self-starters and so for all of those reasons we have found the remote first model to be an extremely effective one. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Uh, there's definitely something in there about a cubicle and uh, obviously all the shapes that go into them must be square as well. But um, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that I'll leave that pun for later. Um, so if I may, can I ask you for another perhaps slightly different prediction for the future of something you think will maybe change your market or indeed the broader business landscape and how we might prepare for it? Yes. Um, my prediction for the future is that we have a sustainability revolution heading our way that is going to make the digital revolution look like it was a walk in the park. Uh, and that is quite a bold statement, but I'll, I'll sort of back it up with a little bit of data. And that is the fact that last week uh, on Thursday, Thursday the 29th of July, was Earth Overshoot Day. And Earth Overshoot Day is the day in the year in which humanity has used all the resources that the Earth can replenish in a year. It was first measured in 1969, and back then, Earth Overshoot Day was the 31st of December. So what that means is that humanity used in a year what the Earth could replenish in a year. So essentially, we were living in equilibrium with the planet. Fast forward to this year, Earth Overshoot Day, as I've said, was the 29th of July. And so what that means is that every single thing that every single one of us, seven and a half billion people are consuming after the 29th of July is net depletive to the planet and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that whether we like it or not that is entirely unsustainable and yet our whole economy our economics our society our culture is all based on this bedrock of consumption 
coupled with GDP growth. And whether we like it or not, endless GDP growth in a you know, resource-constrained, finite planet cannot continue. And so we're going to have to fundamentally reinvent everything to do with our economy, our economics, our businesses, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. Um, and I think that's going to be incredibly exciting because I can see very clearly a future which is one that is not nearly so based on consumption, one that is much more sustainable uh, and it involves or, or it will see us creating a world that is much fairer, much more equitable uh, and much more human and much more fun. And we will spend way more of our time kind of on experiences rather than this sort of mindless, soulless acquisition of stuff. So that is my prediction. Fantastic. Well, no, I think that's a prediction that all of us um, have to get on board with, um, whether we like it or not. Um, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, but also one that I'd like to think that, you know, actually apps like Olio can really kind of fast forward that pace because it, you are entirely removing the kind of focus on from consumption. Um, and by doing so, you're actually creating loads of fantastic side effects of, well, getting to know your neighbors in a real and meaningful way. So, yeah, I, I hope that that's kind of I don't know if you've got any great stories about how that those kind of side effects have spun off from people who are fundamentally just looking for a nice pret sandwich in the evening. Uh, does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've got so many examples of you know things starting with a pret sandwich and ending with a lifelong friendship. So you're absolutely right. So if people join Olio because they hate waste. They do want to live and consume in a more sustainable way. So they sort of come for that tool. But what they stay for is the community and the friendships and the relationships they build. So we recently ran a survey, actually, uh, in which over 40% of our community said that they felt less lonely as since they had joined Olio. And also over 40% of our community said that they had made lasting friendships as a result of joining Olio. And I think that's just that's incredibly powerful because we all know that it's through having meaningful relationships and friendships and strong support networks that we feel sort of happiness and fulfillment as human beings. Um, and so it's amazing that something as simple as an app that connects people with their neighbors can have so many sort of profound and meaningful effects on people. And also, you know, a number of our volunteers, our food waste heroes in particular, so many of them have emailed in saying that Olio is literally kind of changed their life it's given their life such a meaning and purpose through giving away this food um and helping people and building relationships so yeah it's it's, in, it's incredibly exciting yeah, absolutely uh and i would strongly advise anyone who's not tried out the app before to definitely get on it um and you'll be surprised at what you might enjoy <laughs> exactly yeah you never know what uh, hiding nearby and also what we really encourage everybody to do is to have a bit of a declutter yourself, because often we find that people might think, well, will anyone really want, you know, insert X, Y, or Z? And the answer is just a massive resounding yes. Half of all the food added to the app is requested in less than 21 minutes. And half of all the non-food items are requested in less than four hours. So really, we've just got to encourage absolutely everybody to start giving stuff away rather than throwing it away. Exactly. It's that mind shift that we all need. Um, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tessa. That was absolutely fascinating um, and also riveting and optimistic. So thank you. No worries. My pleasure. Great being with you.